my class at the trade school, I was number one when it came to frosting and streaking. Mm. I did my own. Really? That's good. And I can usually spot a bottle job at 20 paces. <laughs> your technique is really good. Thanks. I think your form and content will improve with time. So, best I can tell, young lady, you've just landed yourself a job. Oh, good! Oh, thank you! Miss Truly. No time for thanks this morning, honey. We're gonna be busier than a one-armed paper hanger. Oh, here, let me help you. It's all right. I got it. You got tiny little hairs and fuzzies all over you. There's so much static electricity in this room, I pick up everything with boys and money. <laughs> We're back. Back in black. <laughs> I hit the sack. I don't remember the, the words, and then but I love that song. It was a guy. Loose it was a guitar. And a... I don't know. Oh, God, I love that song, though. We should play that a little bit. You know, it's named ACDC because the uh, the two main dudes, their initials are AC and DC. Oh, but I don't need to do with electricity? No, I think I made that up. We're back. Hey, everybody. It's been so long. Hey. This is... How have you not seen this? It's a podcast about movies where a husband and wife, that's the people you're listening to. I'm Daniel. I'm Tracy. We take turns showing each other movies that the other person hasn't seen before. It's been forever, and yet it's still somehow fucking 2020. Yes. We took what we'll call the pandemic Tracy is in college break and... Sabbatical. Like a working break. A sabbatical. There you go. Uh, I won't say that it was fun. No. Nope. I won't say that I enjoyed it. Um, I think I would much rather have been here talking to you lovely people. Mm -hmm. But, you know, needs must and all that. Yep. Um, That's super British. Well, I, all I do is hang out with British people all That's day. That's true. So, oh, I mean, if we're going to talk like, you know, we're going to talk the queen. I can never oh. talk like they talk with the received whatevers, you well, know. Whatever, you're yeah. fine. Yeah. Uh, so we're we're jazzed to be back, and what we're gonna hope is that we can do this through my Christmas break, mm -hmm. and uh, and see what happens. Uh, yeah, I mean it's pretty annoying, obviously because of her school. She's trying to better herself and fulfill dreams, and I I find that frankly pretty annoying and frustrating. Yes, I apologize. I've told her to set. Uh, fewer goals or no goals and yet she yes. continues to set goals and try to achieve them mm. which i don't know why it's certainly not my example i have this need to help people and i wish it would go away again don't understand that the yeah. word you just you just blah blah i heard the charlie brown teacher noise just now heard wah, wah, nothing made sense wah, 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 wah. yeah so as long as she continues to have these aspirations Fanciful what are we gonna call yeah desires goals to better the world and herself i don't know we'll figure it out but yeah. Oh. Oh. Yes. We're back. I mean, I feel it feels incredibly weird. I hope that we haven't. I mean, I'm sure we've lost like everybody, but but we're very all four happy of you. For, <laughs> <laughs> hopefully the four of you are back um, this week. I had this urge. I've I mean, I've wanted to show him this movie for a long time, but I just I couldn't find the right moment. And then when. Dolly Parton fucking funded the COVID vaccine and then she comes out with this new album and then she comes out with a Christmas movie and then we've got all this family, you know, everyone's together. with fa It just felt like the right time for what? 
Steel Magnolias, mm-hmm. which he had never seen nope. and which has been a an incredibly important movie to me my entire life. And I was very, very excited to show him. So that was last night's pick for me. And let me ask you, how have you not seen this? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, Something that's come up a lot in our discussions of these is the five-year age gap between us and how sometimes you have those little sub-generational divides of a movie that you just might have barely missed out on. And I think one of the reasons I was just barely too young when this came out. This came out in 1989. It's the year I turned seven. And if uh, if it wasn't about the Ninja Turtles, I didn't want to fucking hear it. Okay, like so, I was I was not. And who can blame you? You're not down for it. So obviously too young for it at the time. And also it was chick flick. That's the, I was going to talk about that too. Like because of the fact that it came out 31 years ago, which oh my god. Um, yeah, I've had its 30th anniversary. It last was year. very much branded in a pop culture then at the time. And I even kind of remember this as a chick flick. And, and I think that's of course a huge injustice to the quality of the movie and the drama. I think that now you would hopefully, hopefully God knock whatever is nearby were you to make this or stage this, it wouldn't be branded and marketed that way. Right. But it was put out that way. So as a little boy, I just absorbed a thing like and I just absorbed and acted on knowledge this was like not aimed at or, or for me or thing I would enjoy. And, Which is totally fair. Yeah, exactly. Totally fair for a little boy to do that. And yet again, uh, as I watched the movie last night, which by the way, spoiler, I, I loved, thought it was a fantastic movie. It is a mm. huge disservice to write it off as a kind of like, you know, these women in the 80s kind of like it's just it's not that at all. But that's kind of what was in the air in some of the discussion. 30 years ago that I like picked up on tangentially as a little boy. And so when I got older, it just never seemed like a thing that I would want to check out, which is a shame because again, it was a great movie. I'm going to say that I think you would, I think that you would have needed a woman in your life to, to show you this movie because I can't, I'll be totally honest. I don't, I don't see a dude heading out and, you know, to blockbuster and being like, give me steel magnolias, man. I want to see Julia Roberts in her, you know, Oscar nominated role. Like it's just, no, no, there's a, I'm a little like that. I mean, I'm the guy that would get teary in high school at like Shakespeare in love. So like, I'm not total bro. So, and I think if my sister or mom had spoken up and been like, watch this fucking movie, I probably would have sat down. But like, I think honestly, I needed like your right to be an adult. That's true. So we just blame your family. Yeah, totally. Okay. So the wonderful, Oh God, this movie's so fucking wonderful. I'm sorry. It's just like I I can't even I just I sat upright in in uh with my legs crossed and and my hands clasped like the entire movie. Yes. Sometimes saying the lines with the people, sometimes just clapping and looking at Daniel with joy, like, did you get it? And he's like, uh, yeah. Sometimes weeping openly. So, oh yes. I wept often and hard. Because how do you not? Well, let's talk about the cast uh, so that I can. The cast is insane. Like, this is is a deep bench. Yeah. And I'll tell you're going to love when I tell you how how the casting process went, because when I found out who wanted it, who they wanted and all this stuff, I was like, what? Like, so we've got starring Sally Field. Hello. I mean. Great. Dolly Parton, Shirley MacLaine, Daryl Hannah, Olympia Dukakis, 
Julia Roberts in her second movie role uh, after Mystic Pizza, mm-hmm. which he still, he also has not seen, and I will show him. Tom Skerritt, Dylan McDermott, Kevin J. O'Connor, and Sam Shepard. Now let's all take a moment. That is a fucking roster. That's a really good cast. That is, again, a, a very, very deep bench. That is a solid ensemble. There's yeah. nobody just like coasting around. They're all really good performers and good in their roles. Yes, yes. The screenplay is by Robert Harling, and that's important. It'll come back to it. Uh, Directed by Herbert Ross, produced by Ray Stark. And we're going to come back to all that because there's some important stuff in there. But the plot is basically you're in a beautiful town in Louisiana. Um, It was filmed in... (laughs) Hang on. We don't know how to pronounce it. No, I do. Uh, You looked it up last night. I looked it up. And hang on. I'm going to look it up again because I... Because the word looks like Natchitoches. But it's... uh, Natchitoches. 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 That's it. Yes. Natchitoches. It was filmed in Natchitoches. And given, uh, but they gave it like a, you know, a fake name. Uh, It's beautiful. It's exactly what you would imagine, like this beautiful Louisiana town to look like. And Julia Roberts is getting married to Dylan McDermott. And Tom Skerritt and Sally Field are her parents. And Olympia Dukakis and uh, Shirley MacLaine are best friends. They, uh, the former for, former first lady of the town and one of the richest ladies in the town, both of the both of them are bonkers wealthy. Then you've got um, Truvy, who's played by Dolly Parton, who runs the uh, hair salon. Mm-hmm. And you have Annette, who's played by Daryl Hannah, who's brand new in town. Annel? Annel. Yeah. Annel. Sorry, Annel. Mm-hmm. It's it's a story of friendship. It's a story of um i mean do you want to like should we yeah it's it's uh it's not a high concept thing it's not like they all come together to like make a heist although that would be a good movie that i would watch um it's it's a slice of life thing uh and it kind of follows this group of friends through different stages over a couple of years of their lives and relationships together one of the ways it tracks the passage of time is that most major sequences are set in and around holidays the mm-hmm. the first big chunk is set at Easter. Then you fast forward to the following Christmas. Later on, you see, you know, like a 4th of July and, and a Halloween. So it kind of helps you kind of track that you are moving forward uh, mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But there's no there's no um, hook. There's no like somebody has to accomplish X or do do ABC. It's, it's not that kind of movie. It's more like a, just a, a character study slice of life about these people's relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what's interesting is that there's no proper to me like quote unquote main character there's a core story but like all the characters i think have a lot of really important plot lines and you can't cut any of them right you can't cut any of them uh julia roberts is the uh, central central character yeah um and she plays like i said sally field and tom scarrett's daughter she has type 1 diabetes and uh, that is central to the movie um, because she is, this is type 1 diabetes in the 80s. So this is before a lot of really important stuff happened with, uh, I have uh, friends with type 1 diabetes and the stuff that happened to her would not happen to them, would not have happened to her now. But back then, you know, they didn't have the pumps, they didn't have all kinds of stuff. So um, it was central to her life and she decided she wanted to have a kid 
which she was advised not to. And the child broke her body, basically having the child broke her body. And she got a kidney transplant from her mom. And then she got an infection from the, from the drugs and things the the, oh, what do you call it? The, the anti-rejection drugs. Mm-hmm. And she goes into a hypoglycemic coma and dies. Yeah. And well, they have to pull the plug. Uh, and she's in a coma and it is beyond tragic. She's young and beautiful and smart and knows what she wants and is a really spectacular character. And there's always this uh, kind of push between her and her mother. Her mother wants to tell her what to do and she doesn't want to be told what to do, but she's a lot like her mom. You know, you always fight with the parent that you're the most like. Hi, Dad. (laughs) So uh, what's interesting is that there have been articles written about how they showed diabetes in the movie and Mm -hmm. how they how they uh, one girl said she did not think they should have re-released it last year because it it shows such a poor example of how diabetes is handled. And I was like, dude, it was 1989. Yeah, like. We can only be so woke. Can I just say that? We can only be so woke. Well, it's, it's not even about that. It's more like, I mean, I, I think you people tend to forget that, like, that'd be like saying we shouldn't re-release a movie from the 50s that isn't, like, scientifically accurate about the atom or something. Like, okay, yeah, like, obviously, it, it's not as, it, as advanced as we are now, but the present is always the most advanced. That's we keep moving forward. So, you know, if if they were re-releasing the movie to say, listen... We're re-releasing this movie out of importance because there have been no medical breakthroughs in the past 30 years treating diabetes. People would say, that is factually untrue, and I think you should <laughs> walk that statement back. But by re-releasing it on its anniversary to make more money because it was very popular and, I'm going to guess, award-winning or nominated, uh, that's – yeah. It, it's And I get it. I'm, I'm sure the person who said that was was very young and well-meaning. But, you know, it's it's kind of missing the forest for the trees. So something that I think is beautiful, this uh, was originally a play uh, done in 1987, written by Robert Harling as a tribute to his sister, Susan, who had passed due to complications from diabetes. Mm. And he wrote it in 10 days. Okay. Yeah. And he wrote the character of Truvy specifically for famed character actress, Margot Martindale. Get out. I will not. I feel like it's legally a requirement that you have to put her in one of these movies or at least consider her in the casting process. Yeah, Dolly Parton, they they chose Dolly Parton. And I don't think they chose wrong. I think Dolly Parton was no, absolutely she's great. perfect. She kills it. She's great. And just as an aside, I love this so much. Of all the famous people that were in um, that town that I keep forgetting the name of, Natchitoches, Dolly Parton was by far and away the biggest star like oh, they were sure. like people went fucking nuts it's louisiana i mean like they're all talented but i mean like you're filming in a small town in louisiana are folks gonna queue up for olympia dukakis who is very talented they're probably not they're gonna queue. i queue for dolly pardon do you know what's adorable though here's something here's mm. a little tidbit for you olympia dukakis like basically uh turned the town blue she was like hey my brother or my, yeah, brother. Mike Dukakis was her brother, right? I did not know that. Are you insane? Are you kidding me? They're related? Are you kidding me? I mean, it makes sense because of the names. I never thought about it. 
All right, we're having a moment here. Hold on, I'll look on, it up on my phone. I believe he's her brother. Uh, and she had people, uh, by the end of the filming, people were putting signs up for Mike Dukakis in their yard, which I love so much because this woman could talk anybody into anything uh, and is just absolutely sublime in this movie. I can't, I'm aghast that my husband did not know. I'm trying to find it. Hold it's, on. Oh, my Lord. This is amazing. You are adorable. Okay, I got it. She's a cousin of oh, Michael Dukakis. His cousin. Okay. Huh. My bad. Well, Dukakis. Get out. I will not. That's something. So following the success of the play, Herbert Ross comes in and is like, hey, you've got something and I want it and I want to make it into a movie and it's going to be amazing. And Robert Harling's like, I mean, that must have been one of those moments where you're like, is this happening in my life? Like, is this person Mm -hmm. talking to me? Now, Robert Harling went on to, um, this just cracks me up. He went on, oh, okay. (laughs) So another movie, okay, when we were talking about what to watch last night, I was like, I don't know whether to show you Soap Dish or... Uh, Steel Magnolias, Soap Dish or Steel Magnolias. They both have Sally Field. I love them both. One of them is definitely a comedy. One of them is definitely a dramedy. Like I can't, you know, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And it was Dolly that tipped me over. But this movie is the reason Soap Dish exists. What? Yes. They came up with the idea for Soap Dish while they were filming this movie. What? The women were all, all became like super best friends and they would get together every night and they would talk and stuff. And Sally Field was like, I'm so fucking tired of playing the poor put upon mother in uh-huh. shitty clothes. And I just want to be this diva, blah, blah, blah. And that is how her character in Soap Dish was born. That is how. And Robert Harling wrote Soap Dish. Whoa. I know. That's which weird. is awesome. He also wrote The First Wives Club, which I personally adore. I know there's a lot of people that don't like it. I'm sorry for you. I also recommend the book. It's really good. It's very different. He also wrote Laws of Attraction, which I am fond of because it's got a beefy Pierce Brosnan in it. And beefy Pierce, beefy anybody, but beefy Laws Pierce Brosnan. Laws of Attraction? Yeah, no, it's not good. It's terrible. I don't even know if I've heard of it. No, it's terrible. He also wrote the sequel to Terms of Endearment called The Evening Star, which is beautiful. I'm sorry. I also like that. Um, I haven't seen either of those. So he was born and raised in Natchitoches. Went to college there. He owns Oak Lawn Plantation. Yeehaw. Mm. Um, just, I don't know. Yeah. So we've got Robert Harling. That's that's his story. Now, Herbert Ross is big time. He was a dancer and a choreographer and um, did a lot of stuff on Broadway, choreographed, I mean, for big people. And then his film directorial debut came with the musical version of Goodbye, Mr. Chips. Huh. Which I love because of Lulu. You haven't seen that either. I know. I'm going to show it to you. Mm -hmm. If you wanted the moon, I would ride. Right? Yeah, to start with love. Yeah, Mm -hmm. to start with love. He did the Alan the Pussycats. He did Funny Lady. He did the Sunshine Boys. The Goodbye Girl. Um, The Goodbye Girl's good. Yeah. He also did... Footloose. <gasps> Fuck, yes, he did Footloose. Footloose. Protocol, which is another one that I want to show you with Goldie Hawn, and The Secret of My Success, up 
top. The secret of my success. Secret of my success is that I'm, I'm living, living five hours a day. It is the in a jar. It is. Oh, man. The secret of my success. I can't say it's good. I can say you should see it because it's so 80s. It's the 80s. It's one of the only movies I've ever seen to unironically, unironically set a sequence to Walking on Sunshine by Katrina and the Waves. Oh, my God. Like it's not a it's not a comedy bit. It's not a gag. They were like, we we're we're setting it to this. This is the best song for this, and it's a good song. I'm just saying, like, it's one of the best songs of the, the 80s. song. It became a a punchline by the 90s, and like this movie uses it straight up. It is the 80s. It's awesome. Michael J. Fox falls in love with Supergirl, Helen Slater. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and he has sex with his aunt. Well, no, no, she's a lot, really a lot happens. Man. There's like cousins. It doesn't. No, he doesn't have separate family. Doesn't that sound like a twisty movie? That's though? tacky. Okay, cinematography. I'm telling you about because I know that you'll love this. Um, John Alonzo, Scarface, and Chinatown. Mm. Yes, Chinatown's good. Chinatown is real good. One time, I got super high on pain meds when I almost died, and not because of the pain meds. And I called my friend Jeff three different times in probably a period of 10 minutes asking him if he'd seen Chinatown. So that is both an endorsement for seeing Chinatown and an endorsement for safely experimenting with drugs <laughs> in the comfort of your home. Have a chaperone nearby, no, have water stop. and 911, but do drugs. Do I did, drugs. I did almost die from that infection. So, okay. But yeah, but not the drugs. The drugs are fine. Right. Um, so this movie uh, was budgeted at fifteen million, which I can't believe uh, with the stars they had. The fifteen million was all it cost, and it came in at ninety six point eight million. Yeah, which is they a made lot. their money back, and that's the thing. Like thirty years ago, it's that's so much money, not just for inflation, but also the way these movies were made and marketed. Because thirty years ago, you got movies like this that were mid budget, adult targeted dramas and dramedies they mm-hmm. don't make movies mm-hmm. like that nowadays this would be on netflix this would not for sure this would not ever get a theatrical release today well, and here's the thing they made now i'm gonna preface this by saying this is not a racial comment at all i'm not saying anything daniel's already getting ready to cut this um <laughs> no. uh robert harling was very very disappointed in the all black remake of this movie and he was not disappointed because they were black he was disappointed because they chopped up the they chopped up the script for commercial breaks and all kinds of stuff because it was on lifetime and Um. and so they ruined the story he's like the you know the actresses are incredible and the you know, I have no problem having it made by any race, mm-hmm. but they ruined the they ruined the movie. Yeah, because they they put commercials in it. Yep. Yeah. So that's something interesting. Another thing that breaks my heart is that the uh, Robert Harling actually he shows up as the minister. Huh. That's him, and the hospital staff that worked on his sister are the hospital staff in the movie. 
all of them. I wondered about that. Not that specifically. I should say, I'll be clear. I wondered if they were non-actors because they did not act like actors, even like amateur actors or, or extras. They acted like people from real life put in front of the sh- a camera like you yep. see on like The Wire where yep. you're like, why is that person acting weird? They're not an actor. Yep. Wow. They came in and acted for him as, as a tribute yeah. to his sister. And he talks about uh, in an article I read, he talks about his nephew, who who in the movie would have been Julie Roberts' baby. He talks about how, as his nephew grew up, you know, he didn't know his mama, but he soon, uh, when he got older, he found out, you know, that his mom was played by the most famous actress in the world, mm-hmm. and uh, that was bonkers for him. And like I said, this was Julie Roberts. It was the only uh, nomination, and she was nominated. I. I think she absolutely deserved a nomination. I think Sally Field absolutely deserved a nomination. I don't know where they were with that, but then yeah, again, that's crazy. You know how I feel about the Oscars. Yeah, they suck. Um, you can also, by the way, if you get the tickle to do so, you can stay in Sally Field's house in Natchitoches. Thank you. Never gonna get it. Nope. Nagatish it needs once. to be written down in front of me. Nagatish, but like like um phonetically. Yes. Nagatish. Yes, you can stay. They've turned it into a bed and breakfast called the Steel Magnolia Inn, which I think is so fabulous. Yep. Well, yeah, they're not dumb. They're like we're a, we're a little town in Louisiana. We're gonna get some tourism out of this, especially when the movie came out, and of course, you know, for years after, still like, hey, we'll we'll capitalize on it. That's smart. I want to hear what you thought, and then I'll tell you some more fun trivia. Okay. I liked the movie very much. I thought it was very well written, performed, and directed. I thought it was a very good movie. One of the things that caught my eye in the opening credits was that it was based on a play. So as I watched, I found myself wondering, okay, what would the play version of this be? Can I tell you something real quick? I sure. Uh, In the play, there were no men. Okay, cool. That's just an FYI, which is why if you notice that the men's characters were not really fleshed out or anything, it's because they really didn't exist. Right. I did not notice that they were not fleshed out because they they are designed to be more supporting characters anyway. Right. Well, I just, yeah, no, you know, no, no trivia. Well, what's interesting is like the the male characters are, of course, just a a handful of normal ass white dudes. And I'm so used to seeing them in movies that even when they're not fleshed out, they feel normal because that's every movie character. So, uh, but no, as when I saw that it was based on a play, I found myself watching thinking, okay, what would the play structure be? Because where would these acts and scenes take place? So they all took place in the everything took place in the beauty salon. All took place in the beauty salon. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Okay, I could see that. Yeah, because they go to Truvy's to get their hair did. And their nails and and moving it out of there. But uh, what's interesting is that I'm, I'm glad that they had the playwright adapt the screenplay. Mm-hmm. Because he was able to not only adhere to the truth of the characters and the dialogue that he would want. But to still structure it in a very play-like way. Because the first big chunk of the movie is on Shelby's wedding day. And yeah, you kind of move through some locations of like her parents' home, the beauty salon, etc., but it a, a lot of action unfolds over that one day. And then, you know, later on uh, after that, like the following Christmas when Shelby comes home to visit, a lot of action unfolds over that day. And then 
um, Shelby's funeral, a lot of action unfolds over that day and time. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know that it was all set in the beauty parlor. That would totally make sense. But I think it's uh, you can see that he kept a lot of those like um, the bones of that timeline in place, that mm-hmm, I would imagine, mm-hmm. which really helped it feel play like and or organic in a lot of ways. Um, I thought the cast was super stacked and great. I thought the performances were, were awesome. Uh, Sally Field does a great job. I really thought that her interactions and monologue at Shelby's funeral were very authentic because she goes from like sad to angry real quick back and forth. And like there's a moment where it leads to resolution and she's walking away, but then she gets pissed and is grieving and like yelling again. And it's really messy and ugly and so true to life and accurate. There's no like clean resolution of that scene that they move on. Like it's mm-hmm, just, she's, mm-hmm. there's a lot of emotions coming out. Drum says you never left her side for a second. Wow. I couldn't leave my Shelby. I just sat there and kept on pushing the way I always have where Shelby was concerned. I was hoping she'd sit up and argue with me. And finally, we realized there was no hope. We turned off the machines. Drum left. He couldn't take it. Jackson left. I find it amusing. Men are supposed to be made out of steel or something. I just sat there. I just held Shelby's hand. There was no noise. No tremble. Just peace. Oh, God. I realize, as a woman, how lucky I am. I was there when that wonderful creature drifted into my life. And I was there when she drifted out. It was the most precious moment of my life. So she does a good job. Olympia Dukakis is is great. Um, Warm, you know, comic supporting role. Uh, Dolly Parton, of course, great as Truvy the Beautician. Uh, She clearly gets the best lines, like the the playwright and the screenwriter, you know, he saves the best one-liners for Truvy. She gets some really good ones. And Weezer. Weezer gets Shirley MacLaine. She gets a lot of good ones, too. Julia Roberts, I thought, did a really good job. She's so young and so good. Um, I felt bad because, bless her heart, uh, later in the movie, she gets a haircut. And so, like, her character's final arc in the movie, she has shorter hair. And it's a real bad wig. Mm. It's not It's not good. And obviously, movies use this all the time. There's tons of characters who have wigs. One of the most famous great wigs that I think about is Frances McDormand in Fargo. That's a wig But it looks fantastic and it feels of a piece with the character. You would never watch Fargo and think this is, you know, you just buy that that's Marge Gunderson, you know? Yeah. And so I felt bad a little because it definitely took me out. I was like, they should have just honestly cut her real ass hair or something or shot it because like, or gotten a better wig because it's not good. It actually, it's, it's the only like immersion breaking part of the movie, which is a shame Um, because Julie Roberts does a great job. And she's so young and so good. Mm-hmm. Um, 
that scene where she has she has the hypoglycemic attack mm-hmm. towards the beginning and she's shaking and she's like mm-hmm. don't talk about me like i'm not yeah. here mm-hmm. and so i mean mm-hmm. i just it's very you, sad yeah. you you can't help but yeah. get big tears in I, your eyes i knew what was going to happen to her pretty soon because again i don't i'd absorbed in just the ether of pop culture the past 30 years that this would be a tearjerker and somebody was going to die i didn't know quite who and i'd heard some of the lines get mentioned a lot like shelby drink your juice although i didn't know who shelby was and also that line only appears once the shelby drink your juice it's only in that opening scene but it's interesting that became like a thing but when she starts having her um that attack and drinking the juice you began to weep very hard i was like oh so she, okay she's gonna she's gonna die um, which and it's set up really. It's they don't do like anything unfair in the movie either. It's not like everything's chucking along and then car wreck. Like mm-hmm. no, the 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 tragic arc of this character and her desire to have these things and the cost that she pays for them is set up from the beginning. So you really get a sense of not fairness but honesty in the screenplay. Mm-hmm. It's there's the sadness does not happen here just to be mean and make you feel bad. Like there's real character interaction here. Um, that I would imagine the playwright drew on real experiences from. It feels really informed by honest stuff. Like when she says, I'd rather have 30 minutes of wonderful mm-hmm. or than a lifetime than of a lifetime of nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the performances are great. Uh, the cast is, is really solid um, and it's a really good movie and, and well acted and performed. And again, I found myself thinking this is just a great movie and a great drama about these characters. And I love that there was no clear, you know, it just it ends at the right emotional beat, but just as things continue to go on, like we come in and we leave at the right moment. So like the arc is Shelby's marriage through uh, her her immediate friends and family recovering from the initial blow of that loss. But there's no other like clear, easy resolution. Like as the movie ends, one of the main characters is about to give birth. Like these things mm-hmm. just happen. Like we just kind of segue out of the story naturally in a, a really good way. Uh, and so I thought it was very, very well done. And I, I found myself thinking and wishing that, you know, it had gotten a bit of a different promotional push mm-hmm. because it was so branded with the phrase chick flick 30 years ago, you know, and it's it just became grouped with those things in the video store and in the lists and in the in the in the pop culture of the time, mm-hmm. which is a real disservice to any movie to do that, to be like, you know, like saying it's just a rom-com, like, okay, romantic comedies can be great. Those are, those can be great movies. Any movie can be great, you mm-hmm, know? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I was really glad that I finally saw it and I, I really thought it was really powerful and really well done. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Well, my, uh, my best friend, Cecile and I have loved this movie forever and she's always insisted that she's Clary and I'm Weezy. Mm-hmm. Which is fine with me because I'm happy to be the super rich bitch uh, with the heart of gold. Uh, I think that's accurate. Yeah, that works. Something um, I also thought was funny was uh, in this, Julia Roberts, uh, her love interest is Dylan McDermott. Oof. And in My Best Friend's Wedding, it's Dermot Mulroney. And so <laughs> she's actually done the Dylan McDermott, Dermot Mulroney parallel, para- uh, you know, the universe twisting who's who. Yeah. I don't even know if she knows. She's been in movies with both of them. Hello and welcome to America's most difficult game show. We show contestants a picture and they have to tell us who it is. That's right, it's time for... All right. Just a reminder to you at home, no one has ever 
won this game. No one's probably very confused. Yeah, I also did have to laugh. Like, uh, it the the only other like not immersion breaking, but the only other part that kind of made me stop was uh, Julie Roberts's character Shelby's marrying a lawyer, uh, and her mom's like must be nice, married like a rich lawyer, and I'm like, you also have like a gigantic, gigantic house. Like, I know. the houses you, were huge and beautiful. yeah, like a humongous home. Like you hosted this gorgeous wedding at, and reception at your home, and like had all this stuff. Like you're doing fine mm-hmm. whatever you and your husband have going which it's never discussed like you're doing okay mm-hmm. uh so i was like you're you're also doing you made a pretty- nice match shelby right louisiana lawyers do well whether they want to or not yeah like anel comes out of nowhere and like her husband's like a bum that took all her stuff and she's like kind of homeless at the beginning of the movie yeah she's a she's she doesn't know He's a criminal, yeah. and she doesn't even know if she's actually married. And yeah, she's dealing with stuff. Sally Field is like, you're fine, Malin. Your house is pretty rocking. Yeah. Um, but I, I get where you're coming from. But again, I liked the, the dynamic between Sally Field as Malin and Julie Roberts as Shelby. That a really good back and forth push pull. So I'm going to talk to you about some casting. Do it because I think it's pretty. I think it's pretty hilarious. The play gained traction and hollywood was like hey what's this i want to be a part of it like they it was not one of those where they had to twist arms sure they had people coming to them i want to be in this movie oh yeah people from joan rivers to lucille ball to share all the golden girls someone told elizabeth taylor that malin was the perfect role for her and there's a line in the movie where she goes when it comes to suffering, I think it's true. When it comes to suffering, she's right up there with Elizabeth Taylor. And Elizabeth Taylor, nobody said nobody laughed harder at that line than she did. You know, this totally makes sense because, I mean, I can just see it. Like the play, I'm sure, you know, like you said, was a success, got some attention. They're going to make it into a movie. The movie screams like powerhouse opportunity for you to flex your chops in like a strong ensemble. Like it's a bunch of meaty roles. There's not like one meaty mm-hmm. role. There's like five to seven meaty roles here. Yeah. So I could totally see this being like a feeding frenzy. Now, let me tell you, this is the one that really killed me because I don't think I could have said no to this woman just because of fear. Uh, Harling, uh, the writer assumed he was being pranked. This is, by the way, I should have said this. I'm sorry. This is from entertainment on uh, E online. Uh, e. Not, e. He assumed he was being pranked when Betty Davis called him. Whoa. Inviting him for tea at her New York City hotel. Once there, she pitched herself as Weezer, Elizabeth Taylor for Malin, and Catherine Hepburn for Clary. I mean, I, wh- whoa. She's like, this, this is what's going to happen. And he's like, I. Uh, um, Those are some fucking legends right there. Her parting phrase was. You may give the role of Weezer to someone else, but you and they will hear from Betty Davis. Okay. Rarely has someone spoken about themselves in the third person and made it work. And, and then he wet himself. I'll be honest, like, Betty Davis as Weezer would be pretty great casting. <laughs> I mean. Because Weezer, played by Shirley McLean in the movie, is like the grumpy friend. Like, she's in the circle. She's they- Super they grumpy all and like super her. Bitchy. They all like her, and she likes them. Every, you know, everybody's got that friend, them. you know. She, everybody's got the grumpy friend, you know. Like yeah. she's the grumpy friend of the group. Like they love her. She loves them, but she's also a dick. And like, yes, she like she can like come to terms like peace and tragedy with like Tom Skerritt's character, who's you know Sally Field's husband. But like most of the movie, when things are like normal, they just fucking hate each other. Um, well, they just fight all. The they time. just fight all. The, she just like they, he eggs her on, and she just like. She's like, eat shit and die. Like, it's great. So 
Betty Davis would be good casting. I'm not going to lie. And those are the good suggestions. And I would yep. be scared of her, too. Well, OK. So Shirley MacLaine told and I love that this is an article. I should have found this article, an article in Garden and Gun. Now, if that in some from the South, I don't know what is. And it's still around and still publishes. And I'll be honest, some pretty good stuff. Are you serious? Yeah. Garden and Gun. Garden and Gun. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like Playboy has good interviews. Yeah. Garden and Gun has published some good stuff. That's amazing. Hand of God. So uh, Shirley MacLaine says, I read it and I said, I want to play the really bitchy one. There you go. <laughs> I think I was rehearsing for my old age. I was seeing if I could get away with saying what I negatively felt and still be funny. And it and it's kind of turned out that way, actually. She does. Um, now, this I love. They did not originally want Julie Roberts. They wanted Meg Ryan. But Meg Ryan had just been offered When, when Harry Met Sally. Sally. Okay. Yep, yep. So it was perfect. She told them, she's like, I want to be a star. I don't want to be part of an ensemble. But it ended up being perfect because, oh my God, can you imagine when Harry Met Sally without Meg Ryan? That's, yeah, that's you know, tough. It was, it was fantastic. Julia nailed the audition because they were looking at known stars laura dern winona ryder i can't imagine those people and it um she comes in she's from georgia we know that she's fresh from filming mystic pizza and as they said it was like somebody bumped up the lights she smiled that smile yeah she's got that megawatt like gorgeous i mean she's a gorgeous woman and you mm -hmm. see her in this and she's so young i also think the age difference there does matter because i just look it up real quick meg ryan is six years older mm -hmm. and you know Looks like much more of a grown woman. She does. And especially in that era, the late 80s, you know, like when you see her with Harry Met Sally, like, I mean, the opening when they're in like those awful wigs as like young people yes. always feels like the porn version of the movie you're about to watch. Like, this does not feel real. <laughs> What's happening right now? Wow. Wow. Yeah. So she's she was well suited for like the shaggy hair and the walking around the park with the glasses and like looking like a grown person. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Julia Roberts mm -hmm. was six years younger and also looked young. And, you know, the character Shelby is real young. So I think that's a much better fit. And obviously now, like, I mean, six years is, is not much of a difference anyway age wise. But if you're trying to nail this character, this very young character, I feel like that look change is going to matter a lot so mm -hmm. i think julie roberts is such a good fit such a good fit yeah it was perfect mm -hmm. um they turned natchitoches into this you know circus of course this little town can you even imagine bringing this circus to town uh i love this part about dolly she like i told you before she was the star I mean, nobody cared about anybody. It was just Dolly Parton. People would, she ate dinner with her entourage every night at the same restaurant and people would just pack in just to stare at her. I would. It's Dolly. Um, I, no, I mean, I just weep every time I saw her. I feel Dolly is bipartisan. We all love Dolly Parton. She, it's, it's a requirement. We all love Dolly. You've been to Dollywood, haven't you? No, I've been to Graceland. We should go to Dollywood. I would go to Dollywood in a heartbeat. Once the apocalypse is over. I'm going to Dollywood. Let's go to Dollywood. Yes. When you're in the Smokies, come on out to Dollywood. We're sliding down a mountain. Makes you feel real good. It's a magic place to fill with family fun. Splashing down together on a raft and a river run. Learn about the craftsman skills. Sit down to home cook meal. See how good the music makes you feel. In the heart 
of the Smokies, Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. She was also the least likely to indulge in diva behavior. McLean said that for sure. The cast was always complaining about the heat because you're in Louisiana. Fucking hot as shit and Hello. humid. Oh my god. Uh, there was never a peep from Parton. There was Dolly with a waist cincher. No more than 16 inches around. Yeah, at one point she's she's wearing this um, slim dress, and I was like, they've done something to her body. Humans don't look like <laughs> they that. They took her organs out. Yeah, like, uh, she's they took out at least a lung. And yeah. like, uh, she's, how are you breathing? Heels about woman. two feet high and a wig that must have weighed 23 pounds. And she's the only one who didn't sweat. Even when a Christmas scene required her to swelter in a cashmere sweater, Julia said... Dolly, we're dying, and you never say a word. Why don't you let loose? Harling recounted. Dolly very serenely smiled and said, When I was young and had nothing, I wanted to be rich and famous, and now I am, so I'm not going to complain about anything. Oh, my God. I love her so fucking much. How do you not love this woman more than she's a fucking national treasure? You And you didn't even need to bring the evidence. Obviously, I'm glad you did. Like but it you, makes me want to cry saying If that. you just said Dolly Parton was the nicest person on set, I'd have been like, well, no shit. You just said that the sky's blue and water's wet. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. of course, Dolly Parton was grateful and happy and just chilling and doing her Dolly thing. Mm-hmm. There's a reason she's Dolly Parton. Yeah. It was also, uh, Harling said that it was really important to Julia Roberts that she get his parents' blessing to play Susan. Uh, well, she, they they renamed Shelby. So she'd come over and, and he said daddy would cook burgers and she would talk to them and write poetry and read them her poetry. And I didn't know that Julia Roberts wrote poetry, but there you go. Um, That's really kind And of her. Dolly Parton would come and sit on the sofa and play her guitar. And he said it was just surreal. Yeah, I love that she wanted to... She really wanted to be Susan. Yeah. You know? And I I really find the backstory interesting, uh, that it's such a, a tribute to his sister that he just wrote, just like purged out of himself and, mm-hmm. you know, just said, here's what's going on. And it was very, it's very, it's funny that you say that because he says it was very purging for the whole family when they saw the play. It was just oh, like, yeah. it was what they needed. We had some problems with the director and this I love. And this is why I feel very attached to Shirley MacLaine. Because you don't fuck with Shirley MacLaine, right? Uh, Ross, the director, Herbert Ross, would go after Julia. Um, he went after uh, Dolly. And he's like, you can't act. You're terrible. You need to take an acting class. You're, you know, why don't you take some acting lessons? Blah, blah, blah. And McClane went after him every time. She's like, you don't talk to them that way. You don't talk to her that way. They're this and that and blah, blah, blah. She was like a terrier. I love it. She's nice. like, don't. She said, Dolly Parton is absolutely the funniest, wittiest, and filthiest, and she will cut you to ribbons. Also, I'm sorry. I, I'm i not going to take a ton of notes from the guy who brought us the performances of Footloose. <laughs> What's he going to like? He's screaming around on stage like, you are no Chris Penn, ma'am. Yeah. Please. I worked with Lori. What's her name? That's true. I directed a barn that was danced in very erotically. Yes. And you are no barn. Yes. Uh, and like you, this is uh, like you said, Shirley takes umbrage with people labeling it a chick flick. Yeah. It's it's. Oh, my God. And that's such a thank God that it's the thing that does not get used as much today by right thinking people like Mm -hmm. it is it's still a term that's out there among like you know assholes and retrogrades and idiots and there always will be to a degree but you know i feel lucky that we've moved on from it so so much and that a lot of younger generations now you know the the zoomers and stuff aren't hearing it because Mm -hmm. it was used Mm -hmm. again the the phrase chick flick was used both derogatorily and unironically folks like oh it's a chick flick like it's just what you would call it like that's just what it was called but this movie is an actually really good 
nuanced, deep drama about life and loss and relationships. And to label it with something like that is just so fucking belittling. Yeah. And if you're one of those men who's like, I can't sit and watch women talk, then you're a fucking pussy. Yeah, I mean, like, eat, shit, eat shit and die, in the words of die. the movie itself. I mean, like, it's how hard is it? I don't have any. It? I don't have any respect for men who are just like, I don't want to sit around and watch a bunch of women talk about their periods. I'm like, oh my god. Right. Yeah, the cast, and I think this is. I don't know how how normal this is, but the cast all were all tight friends, and they've stayed tight friends. I don't think that's normal. I can't imagine it's normal. Rad. I can't imagine it's normal in the industry because I mean, it's a gig industry where you're working for just you know a few months at a time from you know job to job to job and like traveling and living on your own thing so like Mm -hmm. you might even like work with some people over and over and but i can't imagine that it's common to forge a tight relationship that really lasts for a long time i think that's probably pretty special no i mean tom scarrett would make chili and bring it over everybody would oh tom scarrett's chili i'm telling you that's a fun band name tom scarrett's chili i knew his daughter she uh owned a store in crested butte colorado and i would go in there just to be near tom scarrett's daughter I know. What kind of store? Clothing. Oh, okay. Anyway, uh, yeah, that's, you know, there's not, I'm not going to, I think that, I think you've got a lot of cool trivia about, mm-hmm. about the movie. And it's I a think good movie. And uh, as of the recording of this, which is the end of November, 2020, it is currently streaming on Amazon prime. Yes. So heartily recommend you checking it out. If you get a chance to. Definitely. Yeah. Just it is a movie. I will say it is a movie of spectacular one-liners, and anyone who has seen it eight billion times, like I have, you your life can be made up of of the one-liners. It's uh, yeah. <laughs> Weezer when <laughs> when Anel rips her uh, mustache wax off, and she almost falls out of the chair, and she sits up and goes, Anel. You can stick your Bible where the sun don't shine. Yeah. I just love her. It's a writer's movie for sure. And you really sense that coming through. And it makes total sense when you realize that the playwright was the screenwriter. Like he keeps a lot of those very specific dialogue choices that he made as the writer. And they survive intact through the filmmaking process into the final product. Like it is a a dialogue focused movie. Mm -hmm. The the, the writing is great. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad that you liked it. What a yeah, great movie awesome. to come back on. It's awesome. It would have been really awkward if you'd been like, uh, right. Welcome back. This piece of shit. No, it was really good. <laughs> um, we're actually hoping in the next month or so to have two guest stars at the same time. I literally didn't know this. Yes, you did. Um, I you all, of course, oh, I kind of remember know this. my brother Price. And uh, his wife, Sally, is not as into movies. Would you say that as we are not as? No, it's it's more that she just didn't grow up seeing maybe as many movies as That's we do. That's true. Not as not as uh, engulfed in pop culture, maybe. Yeah, she went, she like had hobbies and friends and stuff. She was like gorgeous and grew up and, you know, she's Australian. I did not have hobbies and friends. Surfed and hiked and you know lived are we even okay to be putting this in here because i mean is it guaranteed that we're going to get them yeah they want to do it they're really price is the one that brought it up that's true uh he wants to watch a movie that sally's never seen which is easy to find because sally has not seen a lot of movies which 
is fun because Price has what he calls Sally Cinema screenings and he shows them and then she gives you her rating out of five koalas. That's true. Uh, so hopefully we'll be able to get them and we'll have a uh, a special. That'd be fun. Yeah. We're, wor- happens, we're working happens. on that. If it doesn't. If it doesn't, it's still a free show. You're welcome. Whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what is your hell yeah? Do you have one? I do because uh, this has been. Is it that we may actually have a a uh, cure for COVID, a vaccination? That would definitely be right up there. Um, this has been probably the worst year I can remember being alive in. Yes. Um, and very few things have made me say or feel hell yeah for more than a minute or two at a time. Um. So it's been pretty roof, but I think the vaccine is what we're going to call one of the lights toward the slight end of one of the tunnels Mm -hmm. that we need to go through to get through this. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's not like everything is back to normal yet, but I am fervently hoping that those are produced and distributed and effective in the next few months. So that we can start to return to some kind of normalcy because when I watch movies now or TV shows, I don't just think about the movie or TV show I'm watching, but I concentrate on just the fact these people are like touching each other and near each other and occupying space together. Yeah, that affected you know? me a lot last night. Uh, I, I, Even when I'm watching just like cheeseball thrillers or horror movies, anything, I'm like that person is in the room with someone else just freely just walking in. You know, mm-hmm. and just like the the intimacy of that that you just take for granted. So, yeah, if anything, I, that that would be a hell yeah, which is that things are trending in positive ways with science, and all we need to do is please God keep people masked up and apart from each other, and we'll try and get through this. So, yes, that's a yeah. good that's a good hell yeah. yeah. Mine kind of goes along with that. Uh, you know, we don't uh, shy away from politics here, and you're welcome to find another podcast if you disagree. But my hell yeah is my motherfucking president-elect Joe Biden and the spectacular vice president-elect Kamala Harris. Yep. Thank you, God, Yahweh, uh, Allah, whatever you want to call it thank you for bringing us adults Mm -hmm. and for making them win like 12 times that's been fun souls and hearts and uh thank you for for the american public eking out a a win for them because and then and and also what the fuck rest of america what the fuck yeah um but you know what you lost, and we got our grown up. Yeah, and he's gonna fix shit, and I'm gonna be there with him. We yeah. still have our Biden Harris sign in the front yard. I'm not taking it down till the inauguration. We're not taking it down till the inauguration. I want and that shit official. Our neighbors were all fucking Trumpers, and they took their signs down, and we're like, "Bitch, our sign stays up." They also took what, what? they took their signs down before the election had even been called later that week. Yeah, like, they were like, yeah. like even when Trump was still like in it, they they were like, "We know this is not going to go the way we wanted to," so they took their signs down. Yeah. My sign is still up, and I give no shits. It's going to be up until January twentieth. Mm-hmm. Like I want mm-hmm. this thing so hand on a Bible official 
Um, and I just, it's going to feel a lot better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just feel good. I get teary. I watched his Thanksgiving day speech. Mm-hmm. I saw that he spent Thanksgiving morning with Jill, uh, speaking to first responders and to nurses and to people. And I was like, who, who this, I forgot. I forgot what it was like to have a president who was a president. Yeah. So that's my up. hell yeah. Just a fucking grown up. Oh my God. So nice. So much. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's my hell yeah. And um, yeah, we'll try and get through this together, everybody. That's all we can do at this point. Please wear a mask. Yeah, just. Please wear a mask. If you're uh, listening to this podcast, you probably do. Yeah, you do. So saying, make your like, dumb friends wear masks. Yeah, make your dumb friends wear masks. And and uh, just pay attention to what the CDC is telling you. They know what they're talking about. They're not trying. They don't have a political agenda. They're not trying to just wash your hands and wear a mask. Wash your hands and wear a mask. Dicks. Don't don't call them dicks. No, I mean the, the, not you, not you. The people who don't do those things. Oh, okay, you're fine. The people who don't do those things are the dicks. Yeah, and support your small businesses mm-hmm. because they really need it, and uh, we. We just got to take care of each other. Yep. So that's yeah. that's what we got. We're happy to be back. We'll be back soon. Uh, and we will see y'all next week when Daniel, I'm sure, will are, pick out what? Are we sure doing next week? We good? Yeah, why not? I mean, I have a paper due on the mon- on Monday, but it's not like I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do it probably Sunday night. You know how I am. That's true. Yeah. I'll probably make you do it. That's true. No, I'm... <laughs> We'll be back next week. Okay. Um, it'll, I'll just make sure Daniel doesn't pick something that's like long and. I'm already excited. Yay. <laughs> okay. Have a great week. Bye, everybody. Bye. Music on the radio And I swore someday